What's good, people? It's your boy, the undisputed 9 to 5 aka aspiring businessman, wannabe entrepreneur, and full-time happy guy just trying to spread love. So thank you for joining me today. We've got shots of wisdom, and I hope you enjoy. What's good, people? It's your boy, McLeod, and sat with me today, not physically, but over Skype, is Hugh Thomas, uh, co-founder of Ugly Drinks. I've been trying to get in for a while, but we finally, finally managed to get it um, sorted today. But the really exciting thing about this is that today is the three-year anniversary since he left his job, him and his partner, Joel, and decided to start this company. So I think it's a great day to get him on. So please, um, Hugh, if you'd like to introduce yourself and just go straight into telling me about the whole transition from three years ago to where you are now. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for the intro. Um, now, it's, it's exciting to be talking to you. I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice to be talking. Uh, yeah, as you say, like three years, three years this week since Joe and I decided to leave our jobs and have our last day and then went out into the big bad world, I guess, of starting our own drinks company. Um, company's called Ugly. You can find out about us on uglydrinks.com, but the drink is a, it's a flavored sparkling water with no sugar, no sweetener, no calories, no artificial ingredients. Uh, it means everything on the back of the drink is zeros. Um, and I get, it's a perfect alternative to traditional fizzy drinks, whether sugary or sweetened, because we all know we shouldn't be drinking as many of those. And um, Joe and I started the brand with this idea of taking on uh, big brands, uh, the Goliath of the soft drink space, who, who've been saying the same marketing messages for a long time, telling people they're going to make you happy, healthy, uh, whatever. But ultimately, we all know that they don't do that. So we decided to try and make a, a healthy, fizzy drink without any of the bad stuff um, and kind of just tell the truth. So we talk about ourselves telling the ugly truth. Uh, and it's a bit of a statement around what's happening in society, culture, politics, um, fake news, alternative facts. We're, we're all about transparency and kind of keeping it real. So that's what we're doing. And, and as, you, as you said, as you just introduced, like, it's kind of a nice day today as well because, um, like you say, three years since we left our jobs. And actually today we launched in Tesco's across the UK. Um, so, yeah, we're in, we may be in your local store if you're listening. And uh, please check us out. We'll be in there. You can see our six packs in store. And it's kind of a nice milestone because, uh, we've been fighting for a long time to try and make healthier drinks more accessible. And the fact that the UK's biggest retailer has given us a chance is, is pretty cool. And then basically in terms of her launching in Tesco, this being a big milestone as well for you, three years since you decided to move basically from being employed to being self-employed. How did that um, deal come about being stored in Tesco's? Well, that's it. I think a lot of people, when they look at our brand from the outside, will think that it's happened overnight or like we're lucky and um, this has been easy. But anything but, I think we first started talking to them about two and a half years ago now, had our first meeting with them and they told us it's not quite right. The timing's not right, etc. And we obviously go back to the drawing board. We make some changes. We, imp we change the branding. We change the recipes. Um, then we go back again and we have the similar feedback and and ultimately, it's just about being persistent. And um, Joe, my business partner, has kept knocking on the door, kept asking the question. And, and now that the government's introduced a sugar tax, which comes into the UK in next month, in April, in a few days' time, um, kind of 
I think everybody in the UK, the consumers are really beginning to tell the shops what they want to drink and the stores have to start to listen. Um, so the consumers are going, we want healthier drinks. We don't want to drink as much sugar and sweetener. And now Tesco's have gone, cool, well, we'll we need to stock options for people. And that's all we've been ever trying to do. So um, a lot of meetings with Tesco, a lot of different conversations, a lot of like reviewing what, what we're doing, making tweaks and, and changing things. And it's got us to this place today where we have uh, where we have our brand going on shelves around the United last night and, and during the day today. And then along with Tesco, I know that um, you're in over 1,000 retailers. How does that come about for, let's say, someone that's got a food or beverage company as well, or basically like products? How do they go about trying to get those into different retailers across the country? That's a good question. Uh, I think we're more in like 2000 now. So I know like earlier in the year, I mean, we've been having a good year this year, but um, like, like some of your listeners, we all st we started in one store as well. So uh, we started in one shop and then went to two shops and then four and then eight. And now, now we're at almost two and a half thousand as of today um, and sold online as well. I think the key for us has been two things uh, in terms of getting into more retailers. Uh, the first thing is, is the persistence of our sales team and and knocking on the right doors enough, um, making sure our message is clean and clear and that we're talking to the right shops um, and kind of never taking no for an answer. So some of the some of the stores we've launched in, in 2018 have been places that we've been trying to talk to for two years, um, stores, uh, offices, uh fast food restaurants and places like that where we've not been able to get into, suddenly you start to get a bit of luck and that luck doesn't just come create itself. That comes from us kind of being persistent and, and continuing to see putting ourselves out there and making that happen. So I don't I think people should keep doing that. And I think the second part is, um, and a big focus for us, and I guess anybody trying to sell anything online, like whether it's online or, in a store is, is to really make sure that once your product's for sale, that you really go and support it and make it work. So uh, for us, what that means is when we were sold in our first shop, um, which was actually Selfridges in London, so like got a famous store, has a big food hall. Um, what it meant for us is it meant for Joe and I and our small team right at the beginning was, was going down to the store, standing in the store, letting people try the drink all day, every day for like two, three weeks. Um, and obviously, when you're stood there as a passionate founder or founding employee and you tell people your, the story about what your product is, why they should try it, they're way more likely to buy it. And then once you have one store that it's starting to do well in and you have people actually paying money for your product rather than giving it out for free, I think it starts to move from there and you start to have a good case study to take to the next door. And so that's what we're really doing and we're just doing more and more and more of it. And then eventually you build up momentum where it starts to do it itself and people start talking about your product uh, in press, in media, and social media. Um, but it all starts in one store, right? And I think people just need to, to commit to making it sell in that one shop. I know you speak, you just touched on how important the message is in terms of your brand message. And I just want to expand in terms of how important is it for yourself and just other people who have businesses like now in 2018 or people that are thinking of starting a new business, how important is their message and their transparency within the business and basically being um, authentic? I think it's, I think it's the most important thing. Um, 
one of the most important things is for people to be truly authentic. I mean, a number of reasons. I think one, if if you're authentic and saying what you say, then you're never going to trip over your lines, right? You're never going to get your lines wrong when you're pitching because you're just telling the truth. You're telling it how it is. You're telling exactly what you are and you're not making anything up. And a lot of the big beverage companies um, try and make themselves look small or they create brands that try and look like craft brands and small brands, but you can people can see straight through it now. And the reason is, is because there's so much access to the facts on the internet. I mean, anybody can Google your brand name and find anything they want out about your company. They can find out if it's good for them, if it's healthy, if it's owned by a big company, small company, what the story is, um, what my background is, what Joe's background is. You can find this out. So we have to be real. We have to be honest, transparent. And, and that's kind of what our whole message is about. It's like the ugly truth. So, um, I think that's important, um, and I think one of the great things that we have now is social media, so you can put that authentic side of you out into the world, and if you're real and true, then um, consumers that also feel like that are going to like you too, and then you don't have, then it becomes more effortless. I 100% agree, and then basically, just in terms of your um, brand name, it just makes sense, especially in this day and age, especially just about all of us have shit and the best way is to just own it and be upfront about it or I'd rather own my shit straight up than have someone else expose my shit when I could have just came up with it beforehand and that's then, it and it, it's, it's that's why we're called ugly because we're trying to we're not trying to pretend to be anything we're not this is just this is just sparkling water with flavour it's not like a thousand percent of this or ten percent of or 10 of your daily this, it's just sparkling water with flavor. And if that makes us ugly, then so be it. And then how come any of the other bigger companies, such as Coke, haven't done anything like this? Well, I think it takes um, takes an idea, and it takes a bit of uh, commitment and a bit of energy. And um, they've obviously been selling sugary drinks for a long time, and or sweetened drinks, and those products have been selling well. But I think as an entrepreneur or as like a founder and somebody who wants to start a business, what we have is the ability to really know what people are thinking and what people are actually drink, wanting to drink. And I think when Joe and I first had the idea for this product, it, we very much knew that people or our friends, our generation didn't want to be drinking sugary and sweetened drinks. So we had this inside knowledge that someone sat in a big office in a suit somewhere can't see. And so we had a head start on them. Uh, they're obviously happily away there selling sugary and sweetened drinks. And now the tide's starting to turn and consumers are going, actually, we want drinks without sugar and sweetener. Um, we're already ahead of the game, right? And now it's a case for the big guys to catch up. And for us, we need to stay ahead of the game. So we need to keep innovating and keep marketing in a great way and keep this challenge to tone of voice and just keep working hard. But um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun to have some Goliath come our way. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's actually quite interesting because... Um I had a little look earlier and I found that Coke did actually bring out a water brand. I think it's either early 90s. Or, yeah, I think late 90s, 99. It's called Dasani Bottled Water. And yeah. They, they still sell in US at the moment. But in terms of UK, they basically absolutely uh, messed it up because one of their campaigns was they basically did a huge campaign with models and everything. But the whole message around it was stating and, call, and calling out the fact that um, the, the bottled water tastes like spunk. 
which obviously, yeah. <laughs> which obviously here in UK, Spock is semen. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully people don't say the same about ugly, but yeah, I mean, we've, um, yeah, it's, it's ultimately you've got to taste a great, create a date, great tasting product. And, um, that's, that's what any of these companies need to do that. And I know you mentioned that you just touched on Joel. Um, if you could just tell me about the conversation that you two had when you actually agreed and both committed to the fact that you are actually going to start this and go through with it. Yeah, so um, there was never really a conversation between the two of us about whether we'd start the business or not. I think we used to work together in our old jobs and became good mates and and I think once you kind of, it was a startup that we worked in, a drink startup, uh, coconut water business called Vitecoco. Um, once I think we'd caught the, caught the bug for working in a small business, I don't think there was any looking back. And, and that's kind of what we've been doing ever since. And um, learned a huge amount whilst we were there. Um, decided that we wanted to create our own thing and take on something a lot like a big challenge, which is taking on sugary sweet and soft drinks. And um, from there, it's been about, just kind of taking taking each month, each challenge as it comes. And I think one of the challenges is you can look quite far ahead and, and then there's always a big problem around the corner. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've we've known each other almost seven years, six, seven years now. So we, we knew each other long before we decided to start a business together. And, yeah, I mean, we're still, still, still good mates, still, um, still kind of, working through different challenges that the business faces on a daily basis, weekly basis. And yeah, it's been, we've both kind of been through a lot together now. And what, what advice would you give to someone that's either knows they need a co-founder or they're basically trying to find a co-founder? Uh, I mean, it's a challenging one. I think there's, there's lots of things to consider. I think you need to, you need to find someone that you, I think when you meet them, you need to really think, is this someone I'm going to, be able to work with when the going gets really tough um so so like is this someone who's gonna stick with it in tough times do i know this how in the world do i know this person are they are they going to be able to deal with me when i'm under extreme pressure are they going to be up when i feel down are they gonna are they gonna put in the same amount of work as me are they gonna uh, put the same in are they gonna bring something that i can't bring to this um and based on that i think it takes quite a specific um, marriage of people to make this work and I think um, there was something I read and again I don't know how it's not always going to be a blanket rule but it said something like you already know who that person is you don't need to go and start looking for them um, it may be that you've not explored it enough or you've met them and met that person in your life to that date but you probably know that person already um, and it's probably probably worth investigating some of those and really thinking could I work with this person but um I'd say having worked with Joe for three years as my, as my best mate when we started the business, like we've been through some incredibly tough times together, um, and and like that definitely tests you because and you need to find someone who's going to be who's going to be with you when when it's when it's tough as well as when it's fun. And then in terms of basically, especially being this uh, three years since you've left your job. What are some of the things um, that you spend your own personal money on? Um, I mean, there's so many things, and there's not much of that stuff. There's not much of that personal money anymore. Um, <laughs> when you're paying your own salary, it kind of goes away. But um, 
I think for Joe and I both, we've always been super passionate about uh, food and drink in general. Um, we both enjoy checking out new restaurants, new food concepts, different types of food uh, from different parts of the world and just learning about it. I think we both feel that like food brings people together. It brings cultures together. Um, I think most of our friendships in London are built around kind of um, eating, checking out cool places and and ultimately, we, we've always had an admiration for restaurants because it's kind of like a combination of taste, art, um, service, business, everything in one place. Um, and so we, we kind of like doing that. If we do have any spare money to spend, it's nice to spend some time in a place that like has got all of those things right because they're inspiring places. And you just realize that, again, I mean, that industry is not one to go into if you want to get rich, right? Those people working in that are passionate, hardworking, and and I think we kind of like seeing people work like that. It's quite inspiring. And then, basically, in terms of at the start to where you are now, what approach have you took in terms of marketing the brand? Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's so many things, right? I think um, I'll give. I give a couple of a couple of things that I've learned from a marketing point of view that I maybe didn't know before. I think the first thing is that when you start the start a business, you should really have a a really clear and clean way on how you're going to describe what you do and why you do it. Um, I think you really need to be able to, to verbalize why you started the business, what's different about it, uh, what the what the brand stands for, and why and why you really are different to everybody else. And you really need to think, am I different to everyone else before you start something? Like, what am I offering? Is it a brand experience? Is it a, a product? Is it a service that's different? And I think um, too many people kind of copy other businesses that have gone before instead of just, like we said earlier, like be authentic and do what feels right for you, like like Joe and I did when we picked the name Ugly. Um, so we chose to be different. We chose to stand out. We chose to be authentic to ourselves. And now we have this brand name that is so memorable and so many people are beginning to hear about the, it's hard to copy and hard to replicate. And um, now the big companies are trying to get in the space. They're going to struggle to create something quite as disruptive as what we've done. Um, at the same time, I, I think um, social media and online is such a such a great space for people to start playing in. Um, in terms of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, they're all free tools you can set up in an afternoon and start putting your message out to your friends and family, start getting followers, start getting people to follow your content. And there's so many blogs and tips out there on how you can start to build your following. You can get a long way for free, I think. We almost have 14,000 Instagram followers on our UK account. And um, that's all being developed by kind of get for, by free. We haven't spent money on advertising. We've just kind of been building that by getting products in people's hands, meeting consumers over a couple few years now. So that's one thing. And then I think it's so easy now to create a website where you can sell your product direct in the UK. Like you can create a website on Shopify this afternoon, this evening, you can get a logo made for five pounds and you can start selling products across the UK. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that they can do that. That's an easy way of doing it. You can get in some blogs, you can start sending your product to Instagrammers and then you can start selling a load of drinks, um, or whatever online, right? And we, we started doing that right at the beginning and it's still like a popular way for people to buy ugly uh, direct from us in the UK. How in touch are you with your audience and where where's the best place that you talk to them the most? Um, 
we're, we're pretty in touch. I mean, if you look at our social media today, if, I mean, if anybody can go and look at our Tesco launch post, you'll just see how many people comment and are excited to see see where we are. We had one guy set, say he was going to drive an hour today to go and pick up ugly from the store. So that's pretty exciting. But I think that the places to be right now for for, for anybody running a brand, uh, Facebook and Instagram, certainly. I think Instagram is the place where you get the closest relationship with consumers. Um, and now a lot of that happens in the direct message um, inbox, but also in the comments section of your Instagram posts. You can really begin to build like one-to-one relationships with with consumers, and one of the advantages of a small business is that the person managing the Instagram account can can know everything about the business, can know who that person is, can really build a personal personal relationship with the person at the other end. And uh, the businesses that spend the most time in investing in those relationships are going to be the ones that win over the next ten to twenty years. Thanks. So since you started twenty fifteen, what's been the best part? And what have been some of the challenges that you've come across up to date? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 so many lows, so many highs. I'd say there's there's more highs than lows than I ever imagined on like a weekly, daily basis. Um, I guess the, the best thing, the best moment, I think, speaking for Joe and I, is when you see someone drinking and ugly in the street, right? And they've paid their money for it, and they have decided that's what they wanted to drink at that moment, and they thought it was cool, whatever reason they wanted to pick it up. And we've seen that a few times. We sometimes see it in uh, bin bags. Uh, we sometimes see them crushed in the street. Um, and there's just something about that where somebody has gone through that whole purchase decision, parted with their hard-earned money for something that we created. And I just think sometimes when you see those moments, it makes the whole thing worthwhile. Um, quite, and, and it's obviously not, you quite often don't see it when you're sat in an office all day, but like it's a massive thing. Um, and then I think um, for challenges, I mean, there's been so many. I think overcoming the barrier of even getting into Tesco is a massive challenge we've overcome as a business. Um, I think alongside that, um, we've had manufacturing issues. We, ha- we have manufacturing issues consistently, and you just have to work through them. And um, sometimes that can be really difficult. Um, I often find it difficult when we have those challenges because – you work so hard and then something so simple can undo a lot of the progress, but that's life. You just have to get on with it. You have no, you have no choice. And I think, um, you have to, uh, you have to have the right people around you to navigate you through those problems, whether that's the support network, like I have working with Joe. Um, so if I'm feeling stressed out quite often, he's not vice versa, maybe sometimes or probably the other way around more. Um, but also just like, family, friends, just to help you kind of keep things in perspective because the problems are going to happen, right? And so um, we, have, we have a few challenges right at right this moment and, um, yeah, we're just, we're just working, through them, working through them and we know that in a few months' time, if we keep our heads down, keep working hard, that we'll be able to get the right solutions. That's what we're doing. Yeah, because um, I remember reading somewhere basically about when you guys started you basically ordered in this massive load of stock and then something went wrong with them and you had to get them all removed from everywhere within the short matters. Um, That's it. <laughs> we made, uh, made 40,000 bottles of drink and then right, right uh, six weeks after we started selling them, they all went off. They all um, changed color overnight and we couldn't sell them anymore. And um, from that moment, uh, we've kind of always felt like we've been, been the underdogs uh, 
and always been fighting to kind of get ourselves back to where we wanted to be and feel like today kind of being able to come bring our business back from the dead and get into Tesco's is a massive achievement. That is a great achievement. And then um, if you could take me all the way back in terms of, uh, if you could tell me about your childhood, about your family, um, where you grew up, and just how, how much of an impact your parents have had on the person you are today. That's good. So um, I guess one of the reasons we're talking, right, is our link with Worcester. Um, you yeah. studied there, right? Yeah, I went to the Worcester 2015, I mean 2012 to 2015. There you go. So uh, you know it well, but that's where I'm from. I grew, I was there, literally, I was born there and then grew up there, went to school there. Um, basically from, what, like zero to 18, spent all my time there. Um, my mum and dad still live there, so they still live in Worcester. Um, uh, my mum's a nurse, my dad's a solicitor. Um, my dad is Welsh, my mum's from Peterborough, so they met right in the middle. Uh, and decided to settle like half <laughs> either because they both wanted to avoid their parents or not be too far away from either. I've never got the full story, but um, um, grew up with sister. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, you spent time in Worcester. I think it's very much like just like a very kind of English place to grow up. Like yeah, there's absolutely. not too much special about the city. It's it's. But at the same time, I think that makes it special because it's just a pretty regular place. And that meant that um, I grew up, I guess, with like a, a pretty normal upbringing, nothing too crazy. Um, uh, and yeah, that's sometimes what makes it strange to, to be doing what I'm doing now. And Joe's actually quite similar. Joe's from Bristol um, had a very similar upbringing to me as well. Like there's nothing really specific, I guess, that really went made us go, oh, we want to start businesses. I just think it was always in our in our DNA that we wanted to go and do that. And I don't really know where it comes from because it's not from my mum and dad and uh, no one's ever told me to do it. It's just something inside you. And I think if you can feel that, then you need to address it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, school did, did a whole load of different jobs. And I'd say that was a really good experience for me. I did like, I worked in a, in a, uh, like a car exhaust electroplating factory in Worcester. I did some time like, uh, uh, as like a waiter and a bellboy in a hotel, like a five-star hotel in Worcester. Uh, I did some litter picking. I sold double glazing for a few days, like all sorts of stuff. And my summer holidays and things like that. And I just basically realized <laughs> which ones weren't for me, <laughs> which is pretty much all of them. <laughs> um, particularly waitering, like that hotel job was brutal. Like I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever done that, but like those hours are serious. I was doing like evening shifts and morning shifts straight after each other um so you're like three four hours sleep and then straight back to it for 12 hours like it wasn't easy but i think you get a perspective of um how hard some people work um and how hard people work for their to put money to bring money in and put food on the tables or whatever for their families and um i think one thing i l l certainly learned from both my mum and my dad and those experiences just the value of work ethic um and i think um one of the one of the things that you can always control is how hard you work compared to everyone else, and often quite some things might be out of your control. But if you always if you always keep plugging away, you always keep keep yourself motivated and keep focused. Like you're gonna get luck, some luck at some point, and things are gonna start moving the right way. And and I think um, one thing is like never giving up and and always standing up for yourself as well. It's, it's things I think I learned from my parents. Like. Um, I don't know. Sometimes that can boil over to be not necessarily my best trait as well. But um, 
certainly um, have some sort of like combative nature that means that when we're up against it, I kind of like to, I don't know, not necessarily fight, but you know what I mean, like stand up for ourselves. And I know Joe's quite similar in that sense. Is like we like feeling like it's us against them. And I think, I don't know, when I was growing up, maybe had a bit of a complex about people from London. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Always, always struggle with that, and I still think I kind of have that as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be down in in London, kind of trying to mix it. Um, and you realise there's a lot of other similar people here doing the same as well. That was really, really interesting for me, and uh, especially the bit when you touched on the fact that um, your mom was from Peterborough, because I've got family there in Peterborough as well, so I know it very there you go. inside out. <laughs> They're not that, these places aren't that glamorous, right? My dad's from a, town, a mining town in North Wales. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I think, I think that, that Welsh thing my dad has as well is a massive, massive part of who I am as well. He's, uh, it's like an underdog, underdog spirit that, I don't know, he's always, always instilled and I, I don't know. That's, I like that too. Yeah, I absolutely fuel 100% of the time, even just, I still work at the moment and just even the little things when, well, it's not even that. It's just the little, smallest things when even people think, oh, you might not be able to do it. Even like, let's say football. I don't really play much anymore, but when I used to, because I'm quite small, let's say five foot seven. Um, so quite small, but I used to be good at some point. And when people just um, look at you and from first looks think that you might not be as good as what, basically, they just don't know how good you are. I absolutely love that. And that fuels me. <laughs> that's it mate that's it and there's something special about that and um yeah that, that's just that's kind of what how we like to feel and work as well and that that's ultimately why i started the business really just uh just to stick it to stick it to the man really <laughs> <laughs> i love that and then um i know i read somewhere and basically you touched on how important it is to have people around you who are basically um i think it's it's that famous quote of you are the average after five people that yeah my favorite that's my favorite one you're the was it you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with or something like that right that's it yeah if you could expand on that for me yeah i mean that that, that is for me the ultimate the ultimate quote um i'd say uh i'd say that's probably one of the defining things for me is that over the last kind of 10 15 years i've constantly analyzed that that five that group of five people I'm spending my most time with and I think um always with the this burning ambition to kind of get somewhere that's quite hard to work out where that comes from but I always knew knew it was more than kind of staying in Worcester or whatever um and I think um the the five the five people I was spending my time with maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago at school uh if I just maybe kept staying my time with those people I'm, as much as I like those people um I don't think I'd maybe have pushed myself as hard as when I've moved into other groups. And I'm always kind of evaluating that. Um, not in like a cynical way. I just think you need positive people to push you in a positive direction. And the more ambitious people or more you want to spend your time with, the more ambitious you'll become, I guess. The same would apply if you wanted to become really healthy and really um, athletically fit. If you spent your, your time with five people who all went to the gym every day, you'd start doing it. You start becoming the habits of the, the, the five people you have. The same is said if you spend your time with five people who are um, know, drinking too much or, or doing uh, other stuff that's less productive and, and um, more damaging. And you just need to be able to sometimes go, actually, like, 
I need to bring in like one more positive person, maybe cut a negative person. And um, if you have a goal and you want to get there, that's what you have to do. Otherwise, you just need to accept what you have. But I think um, I think you need to really, really look at um, look at kind of who you, who who you're spending the most time with because you will pick up habits and you will start to become the habits of those people. So um, so I think that's important. Well. I couldn't agree more because I think that's one of the most important um, quotes ever. And it just goes on to follow one of the ones I heard from, I think it was Gary Vee, probably a year and a half. Yeah, he talks about it too, right? Yeah, he talks about it a lot when he's going on about basically just cut out a shit friend. And obviously, I don't don't mean it in that way, but it's true in a simple fashion. No, but you're not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, 100%. If you've got friends or mates that basically spend an old day uh, just not doing anything productive and you're with them it's just osmosis and diffusion the same thing will happen for That's you it. and he notes and states the simple fact that if you want to be a anomaly you have to start acting like one That's it and I think um, it's not always an easy thing to do and sometimes people get upset about it but um, yeah I mean you, if, if that's what you if you've got to follow what you want to do um, if you want to get there Um and I know from my point of view, like when I have done that, I mean, the, the groups of friends will feed off each other. So like some of my group, closest groups of friends, like everybody has started doing remarkable things, you know, because everybody starts pushing people in that direction. And before you know it, you started changing your own ambitions and it all, it's all cyclical and the, the cycles go both ways. So I'd say that, and I, I mean, it's where, wherever you come from, right? It's not always easy for everyone to make these decisions and family can be the same as well right i know he talks about that too and you have to make these tough decisions 100 percent agree and then uh, basically i'm just trying to add in this new segment onto the podcast so basically what i'm going to do is let's <laughs> <laughs> experiment it go for it trial and error just throw it all in the kitchen and see what you come up with um i'll i'll say a quote and then you basically expand and tell me what you think about that quote go for uh, it um it basically goes I only succeed a little bit because I try a lot. Yeah, I mean, just the sheer effort's huge, right? I mean, the the Tesco launch today looks looks effortless, but I mean, and like it's obviously a mark of some sort of success or something that we're doing is going in the right way. But I mean, the huge amount of effort behind it is just massive, uh, and we've had lots of attempts to get there. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, brilliant. I'll pop that in there a few more times but then basically in terms of um branding and sales what are your thoughts in those two because i think they're both pivotal and crucial to the business otherwise obviously the business wouldn't be a business how do you balance out which one comes worth which one comes first or basically are they are they more intertwined more than anything say that again sorry in terms of Branding and sales, which one comes first, or okay. or do those two work in in a, in a weird way together at the same time? It's together at the same time. I think you need to be you need to be doing both, but you actually need to be doing both really near each other, right? So if you start selling, if you start selling, you sell into a shop, and then once you start selling there, you need to um, you need to market it and make sure you build the brand and get that product selling. So it's really important. And then basically, I know that one of the main things for you guys in 2018 is the launch in USA. 
So yeah. how, how is that coming about and what's made you want to go over to USA and basically um, tap into that market as well? I mean, we've always been ambitious, right? And um, that's always been something we wanted to do. And um, yeah, we launched there in May this year and uh, I'll be moving out there to, to set up the business. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's exciting. It's nerve wracking. Um, but as I said at the beginning, it's kind of like take it one store at a time, one, one, one can at a time and we'll see what happens. So we're launching New York. We're selling online. We're going to be available across the whole of the USA. And yeah, pretty crazy that Joe and I met, had this idea kind of in the pub. And then now like three years later, whatever, three and a half years later, we're going to be sold in Los Angeles, New York, London, Worcester. <laughs> so yeah, pretty exciting. And then apart from work at the moment, what are you scared of? Uh, well, work mainly, but... Um, Just in life, generally, what are you scared of? That's a good question. I mean, I, I guess a lot of things, I think... Um, I think using using time effectively. Um, am I, are you getting the most out of most out of, of time? And I think when you start a business, especially in your twenties, like like we did, uh, I guess that sometimes scared that not necessarily making the most of it, and sometimes you have to recalibrate. And uh, but that's also the sacrifice we decided to make when we started the business as well. So um, that and spiders. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I hate spiders. <laughs> well, I don't hate them, I'm just scared of them. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, yeah, I'm that. And then basically, um, if I come up to you, or if, if I just ask you right now and say, okay, um, Hugh, I'm thinking about starting a business. Um, not sure what. I know it's definitely going to be a product that will be B2C. It's going to be a brand. But basically, I want some advice from you. What do you think? How should I go about starting that business? Um, don't just try not to spend any money. Um, try and create a great product that people are going to love and buy again and again. If you start selling it, find what that product is, find out who you're going to sell it to and then start selling it. And if it starts to sell and people start to like it, then you can raise money. Then you can start spending money. Then you can start building something. But, um, and you have to be patient whilst you do it. But, um, what, what a good friend of ours created a nut butter business. Um, and she, she started selling it on a market stall in London. Um, uh, and, and now like three, four years later for her, she's in every major supermarket in the UK. So she found out which flavors of nut butter people liked and, and now, now she's in a much better position. And then if we just, um, take a little sidestep in terms of education, how important or not important do you think uni or just any formal education is in terms of running a business see i don't think it's important at all um even though i did it right um i'd say that the, the things the things that i learned the most from in my in my life are like uh spending time with different groups of people um getting out there doing different jobs working hard um just kind of i guess meeting as many different types of people as possible and i think I think they're like quite often it's easy to like think something about somebody because of where they're from or what their background is, uh, whatever, whether that's someone who's rich and well off and uh, privileged or uh, someone at the other end of the spectrum. And I just think I I've tried in my life as much as possible to 
to spend as much time with as many different people as possible. Um, and, and like you begin to understand that nobody has it perfect. Nobody has it easy. Um, everybody's got different problems. Everything's relative. And I think if you can begin to understand that, you can begin to understand how to talk to anybody. Um, and I think one of the things I've learned, I guess, is that I can, I can relate or try and relate or try and empathize with, with lots of different types of people. And that's really important when you run a business. Um, and so what that means is that for, for ugly or running this business is like some days I need to talk to lawyers. Some days I need to talk to investors. Some days I need to talk to, um, somebody in a factory. The next day it's talking to someone in our warehouse and like, you need to be able to have empathy and understand how everybody has different lifestyles, different interests. And I think that's a real education rather than sitting behind a desk, looking at a book, which I do think, but I, but for me, like university and things like that was all about, um, making friends, learning about different people and just having, having fun really. <laughs> so, um, I just think you just need to expose yourself to as many different, like, backgrounds and cultures and people as possible that's exactly what i lived my entire life by the simple fact that that's good literally trying to meet as much different people as possible and just talking to a lot of people and just knowing how to navigate in different circles that's it man it's it's so useful and you just never know what someone what's happened in someone's background um and i think I can't remember who told me, but it was like when you're in a when you're in a restaurant and you see someone who's rude to the waiter, it's like you don't know what's happened last night for the waiter. You don't know what's happening outside of work. You like have no idea. Um, so like, take the default attitude of being nice to people. Like, there's no reason not to. I think more people should learn that. And I think ultimately that's you can learn that. And that's that's the real education. Yeah, definitely. That's You'll get just... somewhere if you work hard and you're nice to people, you're going to win. Well, it's free as well. That's the worst bit about it. That's it. It's, it's like, it's just easy. And like, you never know, like that waiter or waitress, like the worst thing possible could have happened to them the day before, you know, you don't know what's going on and you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever feel like you're privileged enough to assume, you know. Um, so yeah, I just think that's important. What are you proud of that a lot of people don't know about you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, when I was, um, when I was 18, I went to live in China on my own. Um, I went to, so like, I, I decided that like, instead of, instead of, instead of working in London, I wanted to go and work in China. Um, or like, instead of getting work experience in Birmingham or something like that, I was like, I'm going to go to Shanghai and I ended up working in like this factory in the, in the middle of like two hours outside of Shanghai. Um, building like remote control cars, um, and I was in, I, I was like the only English person there, um, and it was pretty crazy for an 18 year old to be out there. And I just think, looking back at it now, like I'm 28 now, but that was insane. That's like 10 years ago. Like that's the idea of that scares me right now. But at the time, I was just like, I just went for it, lived out there, had a great time, met, made load of friends. Like I just went on my own, right? Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't think everybody knows, like, I, that was, I guess, part of me trying to do something different like, to everyone else then. And again, another experience where I just met loads of people from around the world at such a, a young age. I wasn't like, I wasn't on like some like 
fun person's like holiday. It wasn't a holiday, like I was working, it was like in like a warehouse. <laughs> like it wasn't like, oh, we went off travelling. I was like, no, I was just in a factory in China and I used to get a minibus like at six AM. Like like where I was cramped in the back of this thing to get to this factory. So like I don't know, I've just tried different stuff. People don't really know that one. Um Yeah, I mean it's, there's so many things, right? There's so many things that come into I, so I just think there's, that was a crazy period and I came back I guess I grew up quite a lot on that trip because it's not an easy place to navigate uh, that story just absolutely cracks me up because ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> place to go <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's just so wild but it's so good at the same time and then just in the short space of time that we spoke and the few um, interactions that we've had back and forth it just makes complete sense because I just think you're just so open to new things and that was such an experience. I just wish that's something that that I did. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not to say anybody could not change it tomorrow and go and do something tomorrow. You don't have to do that. You could do whatever. Like, even even just going to something and listening to a talk or like watching a diff- something different on YouTube or Netflix like that stretches you a little bit will expands you i think a lot of people just go in the same routine and and it's just comfort comfort i think comfort's the killer i think like ultimately being uncomfortable helps you grow and uh sometimes i'm guilty of that too and it's not it, my working life might be uncomfortable and then i take a comfortable option outside of that but yeah you've really got to be aware of what you're doing i know that when you started with um ugly you basically started and then did you then go back and get another job uh say that again so initially when you started with ugly um you left you left um visa coco and then you started yeah. you and joe but then once you started did you then go back and get another job after that uh, we started and then and then we had these production issues and then we had to go and find other work and we like outsourced ourselves to other businesses and yeah like a week later it was like working in another office again and I hated it I don't want to do that again what was that like basically starting your own company and then having to go back to work in another office exactly like four weeks later just after you've quit <laughs> and uh, yeah it's just not exactly what you want to do when you've uh, when you've just left your job. Uh, and yeah, that's that, that's been that's been challenge. That was a challenge for sure. And then basically, in terms of um, this brand, this business, what basically, what's your north star for business, and where do you see it? Where do you wanna go? I know that you're very ambitious. So basically, what is it for you? Where do you wanna go? What's your north star? Um. We obviously, we obviously, we want to be a brand that's more than just a beverage. So um, we really want to be a brand that makes a stand. And I think we've got some exciting stuff coming out in the next few months that talks about how we're going to start giving back as a business and start contributing more to society. Um, and we're going to start challenging some of the stuff that happens in politics and culture as a business. But I think for me and Joe, what we always wanted to do is build a big company. And we've never been shy of that. And I think if we are able to have multiple employees on both sides of the Atlantic and in uh, in two countries kind of learning, developing, pushing this brand in the right direction. Coming from where we've come from with this idea we had in the pub like three, like three four years ago, I mean, that would just be amazing. And I'd love, I'd love the business to be 
I'd love to be, I've always wanted to be sold in Worcester, right? That was a big goal for me. And today we've achieved that. So like, um, now I'd love this, this like little British business that's working in a shipping container in London right now to be sold in New York is going to be a massive achievement for us. I know that um, I've took a lot of your time today, so I just want to say thank you. Really appreciate it. No worries, so, man. Uh, we're just going to... No worries. I'm glad we made it happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just literally got a few more questions. And then um, basically in terms of um, where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you? Where can people um, show love to you or buy the product? So if you, um, yeah, if you want to find out more about Ugly, then our website has everything you need to know, uglydrinks.com. You can find us on... Uh, Facebook and Instagram. If you search on Facebook, if you search Ugly Drinks, you'll find us. On Instagram, our UK account is Ugly Drinks underscore UK. Myself personally, I'm at Ugly Hugh. Uh, you can DM me, you can tweet me, you can email me at hughugglydrinks.com. I'll try and answer any questions I have. Uh, you'll, you'll know that I, sometimes I'm quick on email, sometimes I'm slower, right? I try and get back to everything. Sometimes you might have to wait a, wait a week if it's a busy one, but I generally get back to every email at some point. Um, and I try and help as much as possible because we had a lot of help on the way up too. So, um, so yeah, like just, uh, just try and get, get, get ugly, um, join the movement. We're trying to change things, shake things up. We're not Coca-Cola. We're not Pepsi. We're a new business and, uh, trying to do things differently. Okay. And then basically in terms of, um, the last question, what three shots of wisdom would you give to anyone that wants to do stuff that's better than where they currently are at the moment someone that's uh, stuck in a nine-to-five where they might even be enjoying it but they might be killing it at work yeah. but they want to be let's say a better parent at home but basically what three shots of wisdom would you give from someone that wants to go to from a to b um oh good question um i certainly think we've already touched on it but the five people you spend the most time with you're going to become the average of that group so who are those five people? Are they helping you get to where you want to get to? Are they influencing you in the right way? Are they making you happy? Are they positively reinforcing you? Um, and sometimes that might take some tough decisions if, if that's where you want to get to. I think this, <coughs> the second part is probably um, not being too hard on yourself. Um, I think I read a quote today. It's like, to be great, you've got to be okay with being okay. And I think uh, quite often, like, greatness, or whatever that is, or like achieving goals is, is really defined by just like showing up every day, plugging away, just doing the same thing, like keeping going. Um, you don't need to be amazing every day. And sometimes you need to go, oh, actually today was not a, was not a, a good one, but tomorrow's going to be better. Um, and then my third, my last piece of advice, um, again, was, was really to, to build your goals around what makes you happy. Uh, rather than what everybody else defines as success. And what I mean is, is that like what Joe and I are doing with this business is not going to make everyone happy. And having done it now, like it's been hard for us and we wanted to do it, let alone like you, you shouldn't look at social media and envy other people's lives. You shouldn't go, I want that, I want this, I want that. You should just work out what makes you happy and you should do that. And I think quite often in the UK, it's like this person's built a business that this big or like, it's going this fast. But ultimately, if you just want to sell this or you want to do that or you want to cook cupcakes or you want to make coffee or you want to run a pub or whatever you want to do, if that makes you happy and you don't need to stress about it and you can live the life you want, then do that. Don't worry about building like a giant business or 
just do what makes you happy and focus on making yourself get there because it's not really worth it to make yourself unhappy. Um, and I think that's really important that we all start talking about that more. Brilliant. Absolutely love those. And I just want to say thank you. We've worked hard to get um, the podcast on. And <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we finally did it. <laughs> it took a while, but we did it. So thank you for that. And um, I hope you hit record. Oh, imagine if I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm, you looked at me, didn't you? No, no, I'm just, I, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You just made me. You just made my heart jump. I know. I know, right? I can hear it. <laughs> but um, you basically came on. You've shared so much, so much, so much great stuff with everyone, and that's definitely like hundred percent gonna help me, and I'm sure it's gonna help just even like one other person that me and you don't know. So I think exactly. in terms of that, that's absolutely brilliant. So I just want to say thank you that's- and for driving the brilliant business that you two are, and for just sharing mad love everywhere that you are. Thank you for well, that. Well, that's it. And I'd say, say you're a great example as well because you reached out. You've been persistent to get hold of me. You've, got, you've put together a really good podcast. And, like, like, that's great because not everyone does that. Not everyone thinks they can email. Not everyone thinks they can get hold of us. Or, and, like, not everyone, like, goes to the effort you've gone to research, to get, to put time in. Like, it's, it's what is it, like, 8 o'clock now, 8 p.m.? Yeah. And it's like... Like, that's credit to you as well. You're setting a good example as well. So, uh, yeah, I have to say that. Absolutely appreciate that, Heath. So, uh, just wrapping it up. Um, thank you, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed this one. It's been another great um, episode on Shots of Wisdom. So, it's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Shots of Wisdom. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I really hope you took something away from it. I know that I did. I really enjoyed it. Um, if you did, great. Uh, there'll be more coming out every Wednesday so every Wednesday there'll be a new episode as long as I can get someone to record there's going to be one every single Wednesday so please subscribe and I'll keep them coming if you didn't like it find me on Instagram and let me know it's at McLeodMoyo which is at M-A-C-L-O-U-D-M-O-Y-O thank you it's a wrap